You're listening to the Talking Rheumatology Research Podcast, brought to you by the British Society for Rheumatology. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast. My name is Sean and I'm a family game medical student based in Liverpool. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr Chetan Mukta, who is a consultant rheumatologist based in Norwich. Welcome Dr Mukta. Thank you very much for having me. So today we're going to be discussing your editorial piece titled The Long-Term Use of Tocilizumab in Giant Cell Arthritis, published in May 2021 in Rheumatology. Could you give us a brief outline of your paper and the background that led you to write it? Thank you. So tocilizumab has been quite revolutionary in, in managing giant cell arthritis. And when the first clinical trial was published, it generated interest. And then the second clinical trial was published and it actually suggested a, a very real way of changing the outcomes of people with cell arthritis. And you may know this, but it's, you know, since the onset of corticosteroids, this is the first real proven treatment that works in cell arthritis. And considering that corticosteroids first started being used in the 1950s, we've waited a long time for the second bus to come. And yes, it has really changed the way we use corticosteroids as well as treating GCA in the United Kingdom and worldwide. Just becoming parochial for a brief period, in the UK, NHS England governs how we can use tocilizumab. And it really took the clinical trial design of uh, GIACTA, which was published first in the New England Journal, and uh, allowed us to use tocilizumab for 12 months. So it was very welcome when the second long-term follow-up came along to give us an idea of what happens if we only use tocilizumab for the 12 months as currently NHS England tells us that we should be doing. And what are the long-term outcomes on those patients and who is going to need more treatment and more tocilizumab and more steroids. So that was quite a welcome study. But when it was published, when I read the paper, I saw that the real message was perhaps disguised within the science and the cleverness of how the paper was written. And I'm a simple kind of guy. and I need answers in, in a simple kind of way. And so we decided to sit down and decipher the paper. And really, I should thank Fiona Cole for the outset, who was my registrar. And she has done well, she's the first author on the editorial. So Fiona and I sat down to try and decipher the paper and we had the original manuscripts of the clinical trial design and the New England paper and the Lancet Rheumatology paper and then worked out, you know, how has, has the journey of all of these various arms ended up in. And then I thought, well, if I have needed to do this and work out exactly what this paper means, then perhaps the wider rheumatology community might also benefit from this work that I've just done to actually work out what this clinical trial means. And that's where this very brief summary of a very complex clinical trial has uh, made its way into rheumatology. Brilliant. Thanks very much for that. I agree. It's very nice and easy to read and puts it very nice and plainly. And as you said, it is quite revolutionary. What was the most interesting data that stood out for you? The most interesting bit for me is the fact that 10% of patients only need 26 weeks of prednisolone. Why do I think that? 
Giant cell arthritis has often been likened to a life sentence by patients where they've needed long-term, if not lifelong, steroids. Sometimes we can, we as clinicians, wonder whether these people have been on steroids because they have perhaps been misdiagnosed and we're really not treating GCA. But this was a group of patients diagnosed quite diligently using internationally validated criteria in a clinical trial and seen extremely carefully and monitored every so many weeks according to the clinical trial design. And 10% of those patients, these people have shown, do not need anything more than 26 weeks. So they gave 26 weeks of prednisolone and then watched them for another 18 months and nothing bad happened to those patients. They sustained clinical remission. We have no idea who those 10% of patients are, so that sets a research agenda. But the fact that there are 10% of patients for whom it only needs six months of treatment is fantastic. The second bit of information that is of relevance and importance is that tocilizumab can induce remission in a further 15%. So table two in the editorial divides it by which arm and what the outcomes were. So a further 15% if they have tocilizumab for up to one year, according to how NHS England wants us to prescribe, then they are sorted. They don't need anything more. So we have gone from a situation where literature tells us that in certain clinical trials, 80 to 90% of patients relapse. So we have gone from there to saying, we can sort 25% of patients long-term and we only have to worry about three quarters. Yes, that still leaves them a vast majority of patients that we have to worry about. But a quarter of patients do not need more than 26 weeks of prednisolone, which is really something that we have in all forms of rheumatic diseases, try to find solutions to using glucocorticoid treatment. What were some key limitations of the research that you found? So this is uh, obviously where the hidden details are. Um, Clinical trials try to remove all other influences. So they just want to do disease and treatment and how those two things interact. Whereas real life is messy and it's not just diseases and treatment. There are so many other factors that come into play, including compliance and adverse effects and comorbidities and other polypharmacy that influence how patients are going to respond. Also, we know that using the four treatment arms as set out in the clinical trial, then this is how they are going to respond and and they're going to behave. But in real life, almost none of us use just 26 weeks of prednisolone, or even for that matter, one year of prednisolone. And the BSR and the ULAR recommendations both have suggested that 18 months to 24 months are what most people would want to use prednisolone for which means that certainly if we were to compare tocilizumab every week with a 26-week prednisolone taper to real-life treatment, then I suspect the gains may be lower than what the clinical trial suggests. So that's, that's something that we have to understand, appreciate, and keep at the back of our mind when we are using tocilizumab. Absolutely. And it's important to think any 
a reduction in steroid use is very important for patients as well. So even if it's a slight decrease in the amount of steroids being used, that will be beneficial in terms of the metabolic changes that steroids are obviously famous for. Correct. However, having said that, when we compare the adverse effects of people in this clinical trial who have used torcivizumab versus those who didn't, there is no difference in the risk of serious adverse effects. So tocilizumab appears to be giving almost an equal amount of, of adverse effects as glucocorticoids. Having said that, you're correct that the metabolic changes of glucocorticoids are long-term. And therefore, if we were to follow these patients for another five years, I suspect we would find that there would be a divergence in the risk of adverse effects. Moving on to the comparison between tocilizumab and steroids, I was just interested to see whether any of the literature mentioned anything about patient satisfaction with um, returning to hospitals for tocilizumab as opposed to oral steroids at home. Yes, that's interesting. So in the clinical trial, I know that they did a quality of life measure, SF36, and SF36 is a very well-validated quality of life measure. It has its limitations, but they did show that SF36 improves in people with in people who had tocilizumab. Having said that, the coming back to hospital bit doesn't really apply so much because NHS England is allowing us to use subcutaneous tocilizumab, which means that all of these patients are receiving their treatments at home. From personal life and the people on tocilizumab that I have, I know that they have struggled a little bit with side effects of tocilizumab, just like the clinical trial tells me that they will. They have suffered a little bit, and I suspect maybe because of COVID lockdown, that the teaching of how to use the device for subcutaneous tocilizumab has meant that some patients haven't been able to work it out themselves, and there has been quite a lot of wastage of the drug. I haven't done a formal quality of life or patient satisfaction in this group, but I would imagine that overall, patients are going to be happier being on tocilizumab than being on prednisolone alone, just because it allows them to be on smaller doses of steroids. It gives them a hope that this is going to end at 12 months and I'm going to come off steroids and potentially I could be off all drugs and be in remission. So just that light at the end of the tunnel being switched on would probably make a difference, but I suspect we want to ask the patients themselves. Definitely food for thought. What do your results mean for clinical practice at this stage or the results that you've talked about in your editorial? Okay, so let's divide this between the rheumatologists, the patients and the funders. For the vast majority of rheumatologists who are treating patients with tocilizumab for GCA, it will mean that they probably need to explain to the vast majority of their patients that when they start tocilizumab, there is a chance that when they come off, they might relapse because 75% of them did relapse. For the patients, it's a little bit of a glass half empty, half full situation where you could say, well, instead of being on long-term steroids, there is 25% chance that you will come off all drugs and be in remission. But on the downside, you may not necessarily be able to come off. But it gives them, it gives them a number you know, patients often ask us when you're starting treatment, what's the likelihood of something working? We can give them a number now. 
For the funding authorities, they are going to have to recognize that 75% of the patients who go on tocilizumab are either going to relapse or not be able to tolerate or going to need continuing funding for this treatment. And that's, that is going to mean that the guidelines and recommendations as they stand are going to have to change. Thank you very much. And lastly, what are some take-home points you'd like us to take away from your editorial? I think the key point is 10% of patients only need 26 weeks of prednisolone. That's brilliant. Point two is we need to try really hard at identifying who those 10% are, whether this is a genetic risk, a serotypical risk of some sort. You know, is there a biomarker? Is it extent of disease as on PET scan or ultrasound, which, which tells us who is going to only need a short period of steroids? And the other important point that I want people to take away is this is good in terms of tocilizumab works and it works really well, but it is in a clinical trial situation where they're comparing not with standard of care, which is currently 18 months to 24 months of prednisolone, but in a slightly artifactual clinical trial world of 26 weeks or 52 weeks of prednisolone. That's great. Thanks very much for talking to us today, Dr. Mukta. And um, it sounds like a promising start in that GCA treatment. It'd be interesting to see in the future how this evolves. Pleasure. Pleasure. So, thank you very much for having me.